on today's podcast. And the other guys had put my clothes in a used toilet where somebody had pooped in it. I would leave in shorts, shoes, and a t-shirt on my bike, and I'd come back home just in shorts with my shirt over my shoulder, holding my shoes, totally soaked, and be like, Mom, I caught a snake! Where people started to wonder if something was wrong, or like, dude, why are you being so quiet? Are you okay? And I'm like, oh, now we all care! Now we all care, because I'm not talking to anybody. <laughs> I am fine. Thanks for asking all 17 other months that I've been around you. But now, suddenly, we're all concerned. If you play that, you're an actual nerd. I play the real games like Halo, you know, that kind of thing. And it was <laughs> stupid. And she wore a shirt that said, Adios Pantalones. Wore spandex shorts. Um, and her hair was just totally natural down. I don't think she had makeup on. She might have had, like, eyeliner or something. And That's when you knew. That was... That was when I knew. Thanks for joining us on the Micah and Ben podcast. This is a podcast made by average people for the average person, where we discuss a variety of life situations. We want to share the full story here and share not only our lessons learned, usually the hard way, but also our shortcomings. We talk about plenty of serious stuff, but we mostly prefer the not so serious. Join us as we chat and laugh, and don't forget to subscribe, as well as reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at actual mbp or email us at actual mbp at gmail.com as of this recording we have surpassed 400 likes on our facebook page and and 500 listens to our podcast we have had 202 that's 202 listens to our first episode and here's a fun breakdown Yes, the majority of our listens are from the United States. Uh, that is 474 downloads. Okay, but here are some other countries that have also been tuning in. France with the most of the other countries. And this goes in descending order. Italy, Brazil, the UK, which I bet is my buddy Jordan Loftus. And so shout out to him. Uh, Canada, Switzerland, Greece, and... Latvia. What's that? I sneezed. Oh, no, I'm just shit. kidding. Latvia. It's a, <laughs> I believe it's an Eastern European country. If I'm wrong, that's going to be really embarrassing because I taught world geography. So that's okay. Their country's apologies. name is I Latvia. Think, yeah, I'm not about to be making jokes about other people's. Oh country. no, 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 not at all. Latvia. But it's Latvia. It I've never like heard of Latvia. 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 I don't know. Where are you at, Latvia listener? Say hi. <laughs> Little via Latvia, you know, it's wherever. Latvia. Latvia. Let me see. Yeah, it is Eastern European. It's uh north of Poland. It's like between Lithuania and Finland or Poland oh, and yeah. Finland. Yeah, bro. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. Awesome. So we are actually legitimately worldwide. So that's pretty dope. Just wanted to share that with you guys. And thank you to everybody who has been listening. Um, we do this for you guys. We're not just recording this for our own, I don't know, pleasure. We actually do enjoy sharing parts of ourselves that other people could find encouraging. Uh, or you could listen to what we did wrong and then <laughs> do it not that way. So uh, that is very encouraging to us that so many of you are 
really chiming in and listening to what we have to say. And hopefully um, over time, that'll make your worlds better. Yeah. So to recap, though, listen to how we screwed up and then learn from it. (laughs) (laughs) In in summary. (laughs) In summary, we learn a lot of lessons. Take notes. Yep. So (laughs) last week's episode uh, actually kind of tied into why we even speak out in the first place uh, over podcasts. Mm -hmm. If you haven't listened to it, would definitely recommend that you go take a gander at that. A gander is a, a bird, by the way. Also means to go take a look, but it's a podcast, so you can't look at it. You can listen to it. So go listen to the podcast. We, our heart behind this whole thing is, like we said, to share and open up about aspects of our lives that typically are not discussed on a, a wide scale. Um, there's actually a Facebook video. Um, it's not a, it's like a show by Will Smith's wife called The Red Table. And that's kind of also, at least from the trailer, it sounds like it's in the same vein of like, let's talk about things. But typically we don't have two dudes talking about how we have thought through things or screwed up things or what we experienced and how we felt about stuff. So um, that's why we do this. Yeah. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Micah's story and Micah's life. He's had some ups and downs, just like the rest of us, but we hope by sharing those ups and downs, some of you will be encouraged. This could be lengthy, so Micah, without further ado, how about you take it away? All right, yeah. This, uh, I'm going to try my best to make this succinct, but that's kind of a joke because it's the story of my life, literally. So, um I've uh, I realized something in my life, and that's that typically when you meet somebody, you befriend somebody, you start getting to know them, you hang out, whatever, you just become friends, right? And there's not, unless some of you are, this is just natural for you, but there's not usually a pause and let me hear your backstory. Like, where are you from? Like, what are you about? And in some cases, that can sound kind of awkward. Um, in some cases it's just never really thought about, but I feel like if we knew more and I've realized this in my own life uh, by asking people, what's your story? Um, there tends to be a lot easier of a time just communicating with each other, getting to know one one another because you know where they come from, you know, their background. So, you know, if, if I say something really stern to Ben, Ben doesn't typically take it personally. He's like, no, my, Micah wouldn't mean it that way. You know, um, he knows my background. He knows my personality at a deeper level than just, yeah, we just met and just started hanging out or whatever. So that's why I wanted to share my story today. I'm going to start with my family structure and then just basically walk through the timeline of my life. My parents are two of the best people that I know. My mom is, uh, she was a stay-at-home mom. That was her dream goal in life is to just be a mom. Um, I used to, Actually, I still kind of say this, but I used to say that my dream goal in life is to be a dad and be a good one. So I love my my girls. But my mom stayed at home. She was on one hand, like the social half of my parents where she would teach me how to interact with people, how to have some conflict resolution, 
uh, when to talk, when not to talk. And I didn't learn that lesson too great, but nonetheless, she really taught me how to interact with other guys. She taught me how to interact with girls um, and how to ultimately be a good husband one day. And now I'm in, I'm living in that one day. So she really taught me the, the social aspect. At the same time, she also was how how to apply what is taught in the Bible, how to apply my Christian faith. I am a Christian. Um, I don't expect everybody listening to believe the same thing I do, but that's what I am. So she was really the, here's how you apply what you've been learning and what the principles are. Um, ben, you've met my mom a couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. I love your mom. She, she is. She kind she of what? She kind of radiates like. I don't know. I just when I see your mom, I just like the few times that I've met your mom. Um, it's just a, she's just. She's happy. She's smiling. She makes you feel. I don't I, like it. Just there's just joy there. Like your mother's just a lovely human being. <laughs> <laughs> she listens to the podcast, so she's gonna radiate. Oh, that's funny. That. I'm not trying to make her uh, feel good. I don't want anything, but that's how I feel. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she definitely is uh, the she leans optimist for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's she's the one that definitely is where I get my personality from. My dad, on the other hand, my parents are still married. They're they've been married, holy cow, thirty five plus years, I think. I mean, they wait, no, 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 forty plus years, because my brothers just turned 41 and they were married i think two years prior to that so they're they've been married about 43 years 44 somewhere in there that's nuts that's a long time yeah your parents don't look old enough to be married for 40 years my mom actually looks younger today than she did about three years ago it's a really weird thing she's going in reverse yeah she is benjamin button but (laughs) she she like takes supplements and stuff and, and it has really helped her it's crazy so Anyway, my dad on the other side is like the other half of the same coin. He was the one who taught me about character and just kind of who are you as a as a person, who are you as a man, um, who are you as a Christian. And my dad would kind of, he was like, if you say you're going to do something, then you do it, period. Doesn't matter if you're tired. It doesn't matter if the everything's going against you. Like you, you make an effort. Now that doesn't mean you can't fail. That doesn't mean you can't try and something breaks or whatever. But if you said you're going to do it, you at least got to make that full effort to do it. Um, he also taught me that if you can fix it yourself, don't pay somebody else to do it. So I learned all sorts of little trades growing up, stonework, masonry, woodwork, landscaping. That'll come into play later. That kind of ties into why we talked about, my yard looking the way it does. My dad taught me all those skills. Um, at the same time where my mom is the application of the Bible and those principles, my dad is the knowledge of the Bible. Um, he was easily one of the most uh, devil's advocate type of people growing up where he would ask me a question. And in one case, uh, he asked me a question I gave an answer. It wasn't good enough. So he grabs a Bible, sets it in front of me, goes, prove it. Mm. And he wanted, he wanted me to find the exact Bible verse <laughs> to back up what I was saying. Um, he didn't let me Google it just for the record. That was in 
freshman year of college, I think. Anyway, so he really challenged everything that I said, I believe, uh, and that bled into my stances on everything um, to the point where it is very internal that I will think through everything that I have a stance on politics, religion, um, heck, even sports sometimes gaming why do i like game that just anything that i have a stance on my dad just drilled it into me you need to know why you believe what you believe and sometimes ben you might have experiences with this um sometimes that has bled into on the outside somebody asks me about something or someone says something and i immediately again it sounds like I'm poking holes in everything that you're saying, or I'm critiquing your own opinion when really I am walking through all the, the questions that I had to answer in my own mind as to why I believe what I believe and where's the fact that backs that thing up. And it can be really stressful apparently. So says Elizabeth, um, but she has learned <laughs> that's my, I, I like to know where I'm standing. Is it firm ground? Is it soft ground? You know, right. that kind of thing. Right. Well, you want to be able to back up your position on whatever it is that you're claiming. I get that. Sure. Yeah. And I, I don't ever, even when I was a teacher, I didn't ever fault any student or other teacher for what they understood about the world, what they believed about the world, what they believed about politics, what they believed about religion. But I would often challenge them to dig deeper into the the knowledge. Like if I had a kid say, pipe up and say something about politics i would just start asking question after question after question to where each question was like a stroke of the shovel and seeing how deep that knowledge went until we we hit the bottom and i said okay go find out more when internally i could have totally agreed with everything that kid was saying i could have totally disagreed with everything that kid was saying but the point was to help that kid grow in why they understand the world the way they under the understand the world the way that they do mm-hmm and sometimes That's that can right. come across as as what for an adult not in a teacher role in a teacher role i think it looks differently mm-hmm. um i think that it's a little bit more acceptable but as a person i've had to be very careful that it does not come across as i'm picking apart ben's identity like i'm going to use you mm-hmm. as the example like yeah, yeah. I, I don't want it to ever come across as I think you are less of a human being than me because you haven't thought out something. Mm-hmm. I never want somebody's identity to be affected by my words or actions. However, I would prefer and hope that it comes across as I want to know more. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your thoughts, but I'm going to ask questions so that when I'm done with my line of questions, I actually may be on the same page as you where when we started, I, I may be out in left field and not really even on the same page whatsoever. So I ask a lot of questions cause I actually want to know, but I have to be really careful of my body language, my tone mm-hmm. so that it doesn't sound like I'm just, I think, I think it come, it, it like the, the, if, if not saying that that's like, I, it doesn't, I, I the way I perceive you is, um, is I don't, like because we've had the conversations of of you know I'm not tearing you down I'm I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from I think th- the reason why people may um 
receive that the way they do is because that's not a trait that people normally have. It's not a trait where people are like, hey, help me understand where you're coming from. I feel like a lot of time people are, it's, you know, your arguments and how you think and basically like how I operate is I think my way is the best way, right? All the time. Um, and the way you operate is you ask questions to understand where people are coming from. And I don't think people are, that's kind of foreign, I think. I think in the world that we live in, it's foreign that somebody would take not really interest, but dive to the depth that you do to, to understand people or understand a situation or understand a concept. I appreciate that. I think I take that as a compliment, yeah, but I also no, agree with you in that it is foreign. Yeah. Um, a lot of times people want to placate others or they want to just kind of soothe the the tone or make things really easy and just, yeah, man, no, that's, that's definitely a, a good point when internally they're like, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> Me on the other hand, I'm like, I don't understand what you were saying. What did you mean by blank? You know? Oh, where did you get that from? Cause internally I'm like, I want to go up. I want to, you know, like I want to make it happen. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting trait, but I learned it from my father. Got it from my daddy. Uh, my brother's the same way. I've got a brother and a sister. My brother is the type of person who is known for, if you challenge him on something, he'll go read 15 different books about it and then come back and, and, point out everything that he's learned and in the same way that i can come across he can come across that way too and so i i kind of understand where he's coming from we can butt heads but at the same time we have a very deep understanding of one another mm -hmm. my brother lives up here uh north of austin northwest of austin just like me uh, about 10 minutes from me he has four kids my sister lives over near you in houston mm -hmm. in richmond he uh she has five kids three are adopted all biological sisters and her two oldest are boys my brother has two boys, a girl, then another boy. And um, they're wonderful people. I joke with my sister that I'm like, whenever it's just you and me by ourselves, we get along perfectly. But when you start adding on adulting and responsibilities and parenting, that's all I can handle. I, I don't want to be around my siblings because we'll butt heads. We parent differently and it just it can be kind of stressful. You met my sister, right? I don't think you've met my brother. In passing. I actually don't think I've met her in person. I think I've talked to her on the phone um, about real estate oh. related stuff. Uh, yeah. She yeah. flips houses mm -hmm. over in H-Town. Yeah. So th those are my siblings. Um, they they are the ones that I learned from in as they grew up. My brother's 10 years older than me. Fun fact. My sister is eight years older than me. Um, my parents thought they were done after the boy and girl. And then my dad was like, Hey, I really want, I just want another, like a baby running around. I, I just like having a little kid. And my mom was like, God himself would have to tell me to have another kid before I'd have another kid. And you can ask her this. I, I might randomly interview her. Like I did with Elizabeth with the video and all that. But <laughs> to this day, she'll say that she had a dream. An angel was in her room, woke her up and said, you're going to have a baby boy uh in the spring or you're gonna have a baby in the spring it wasn't super specific but it is you're gonna have a baby in the spring i was supposed to come in june i ended up coming april 25th so it's my birth month in quarantine um so that's super cool but we grew up here grew up in austin i technically was born in jackson mississippi i don't claim that uh, i only technically lived there for three months so we moved to austin shortly thereafter i'm the only one not born in birmingham alabama 
uh, where my whole distant family is from. Grew up in Austin in a cul-de-sac. I had very a very multi-ethnic neighborhood. Um, my immediate neighbors to my left and right, if you're staring at my house, which I could drive there in my sleep still, probably not advised. But on the right, if you're staring at my house on the right, was a family from Ghana, Africa, first-generation immigrants. Their son, Stephen, uh, was my first best friend that I ever knew. To the left, uh, she had an older sister. And to the left where it was a Hispanic family, the Lopez's. And they had three kids, one of which was, I think, a year older than Stephen and me. And then if you go to the left one more, that was the Stevens family. Uh, still keep in touch with them. They live five minutes from me now. We've moved, so that's pretty cool. But uh, it was very fun. A lot of kids in that cul-de-sac. Some more moved in and then moved out. And uh, we would play kickball, basketball. I'd climb the basketball goal, slipped and cut open my hand really bad. Still have the scar to this day. Uh, we'd play hide and go seek at night. We created a game called Big Ball, where it was like kickball, but with a bat. Um, it was like baseball with a kickball, however you want to see that. But we would ride our bikes up to the pool. Uh, we the, the neighborhood is now called Rattan Creek, in case anybody ever wants to just go randomly there. Or if you're listening and you know where that is, cool. But I would, I would just live outdoors, riding my bike all day long. Very big sense of adventure. And then I come inside whenever it's raining and go play Super Nintendo over at Steven's house. Uh, my first video game system was the Nintendo 64. But it was a lot of fun. My, my early childhood, I remember, is just being outdoors about 85 to 90% of the time. Usually fully clothed, often just in shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. but uh, <laughs> shirts off. <laughs> yeah, that has not changed. Um, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> no, no, it, it it hasn't. It still hasn't. Uh, yeah, I think I settle for like gym shorts and a tank top still. And I posted on our our uh, my Facebook page. And I think the podcast Facebook page a picture from back then, and I was wearing a tank top. I think it was a Mickey Mouse tank top. Actually, <laughs> if I'm in the front, I'm I'm wearing a shirt. If I'm in the back. I'm not. I'm no. <laughs> All bets are off. No bets are uh, off. So I remember that was like the cool, adventurous, fun time of life, and it's cool to kind of get to relive that vicariously through my oldest right now, and then soon enough it'll be Lily as well. But about fifth grade was when things took a weird turn. I kind of noticed that other kids wouldn't respond to me the same way that they would respond to other people. Um, they would call me names sometimes. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of weird. Like, but, but maybe, you know, now that I have the vocabulary, maybe it's like a term of endearment, like, Hey, you're an idiot. Yeah. Well, you're an idiot too. Cool. Let's go hang out. That kind of thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't. And in fifth grade to this day, I can remember two very specific examples that were just outright uh one i was choked by a kid when the teacher walked out of the room i went to private schools by the way my whole life till college so don't think that the bad things just happen in public schools um and uh i taught in public schools later but i would argue anyway. that things get worse in private schools for whatever reason yeah i could go on a really big rabbit trail and soapbox but i'll suffice it to say that especially in middle school and high school, I feel like kids uh, that I knew would try to like overcompensate to prove that they could make it in a public school. And it just, it was tough to mm -hmm. deal with, mm -hmm. but 
um yeah the first thing was i won't say his name um but he choked me out on the table like threw me over a desk and choked me out um i can't even remember why i mean i guess i'm just scarred with that i remember one of my closest friends just started distancing myself because he was flirting with one of my friends and uh he i guess saw me as competition or something i was like no we're all just friends but okay and then uh a kid in a grade older than me i asked him if i could play basketball with him and uh they were there were a couple others for some reason they started throwing rocks at me and telling me no you can't play with us uh hit me a couple times but i remember just being like what just happened i don't even understand so that was the beginning of bullying for me. Um, I switched schools because of my experience in fifth grade. There were some other situations that had happened involving other students towards me and that sort of thing. But those two were kind of the highlights, if you will. Moved over to a new school in sixth grade. And that was even worse. Um, I was kind of treated like the outcast, the new kid, the entire sixth grade year. And... Uh, people joke about not or like joke about being the last one picked for kickball you know like yeah i bet you're the last one picked for uh basketball or you know football or whatever i literally was not picked uh once during recess uh basketball they said yeah you can just be the the permanent sub which is code for you're not playing <laughs> yeah yep so Rude. that was really depressing the culmination was towards the end of the year, about the beginning of April. Uh, and I had, we always changed out for PE. So I changed out, went to PE. I think we played like dodgeball that day or something. And I was helping pick up the balls afterwards because I didn't really like being around the other kids at this point in the year. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep my distance. It's really, it just sucks every time I like talk to these other kids. So especially like the guys, I had two friends that were girls and that was it. Uh, all the other guys kind of had it out for me and keep in mind private school not when i say all the other guys i mean all of them and it wasn't very many it was like eight in my grade so i went to the bathroom to go grab my clothes and change back couldn't find them i was like what the heck they were right here you know let me look around and the other guys had put my clothes in a used toilet where somebody had pooped in it and um, I remember that being very shocking. Like the, the, where do you go in your mind where you think that's okay? That was a, a very, it, it kind of solidified how I've been treated all year long. And I had tried to apologize. I had honestly even tried to like do the same hairstyle as the other kids and wear the same clothes everything trying to fit in didn't work. And that was kind of, I looking back on it, that's probably when I realized some people are just jerks. Breach. <laughs> yeah. So I went to my parents. I had been telling them everything that was going on, went to my teachers, told them everything that was going on. My teachers were really like supportive of me and really helped me to, push through uh my parents then told me we were going to be moving to san marcus to help plant a church 
not as the like main pastor, it's just one of the starting families or whatever. And so I saw this as kind of like, cool, I can start over. And they were like, yeah, so we're going to homeschool you. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Um, and at the time I kind of thought it through and okay, cool. Like I won't have to be around other jerks and it'll just be fine. Well, I only lasted half a year. <laughs> and then uh, the kids on my street were like either under eight years old. I was about 11 at the time, or they were adults over the age of 40. So nobody to play with. I joined Boy Scouts. I don't think you even knew that, but I joined Boy Scouts for all of like three months, learned how to tie one knot. Which was, knot? Um, square knot? <laughs> I was in Boy Scouts I for, I think, a couple of years, three years, four years, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I blacked out. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just remember, remember the last camp trip we went on. Um, I think it was like collectively, like my dad and I were just like, yeah, I think we're done with Boy Scouts. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't remember what happened. We just, it well, wasn't something that, I think it was too, I don't know. Like I wanted to like. Uh, go streaking? Uh, no, I wanted to like go shoot. I wanted to go shoot guns and I wanted to go shoot bow and arrows and I wanted to hike and catch fish and gut them and clean them on rocks and they were like all right we're gonna go into the woods and set up a camp and then learn to tie knots and i'm like i don't i want to go do stuff yeah <laughs> i don't know i was in it yeah. for a long time i just i don't really remember uh that experience i just remember i, I wasn't very impressed with it yeah it sounds kind of like me just i i loved living right by a green belt where there's a creek and i could go catch toads and crawdads and I would leave in shorts, shoes, and a t-shirt on my bike, and I'd come back home just in shorts with my shirt over my shoulder, holding my shoes, totally soaked, and be like, Mom, I caught a snake. <laughs> we used to go crawdad fishing. After it rained, we'd walk around the neighborhood, and in our ditches, we had really deep ditches in our neighborhood, and oh my gosh, we'd, yeah, we'd leave clothed and then come back covered in mud, and I'd be like, Mom, look how many crawdads I caught. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Mm. Yeah, so going down to San Marcos uh, was a very interesting time. Joining Boy Scouts was just weird for me. So my parents started looking at, are there any Christian schools down here that we'd even be interested in? Visited a couple. I didn't like them personally until we found one that I was like, oh, I mean, this seems okay. Joined up with that one. There was one other kid who was new that year, and he was um, – he and I bonded pretty quick. We're actually still friends to this day. He's up. Uh, they just had a daughter not too long ago. But anyway, we are friends. Eighth grade wasn't bad. I I had a, a group of total of four friends, uh, me and three others. And we like to listen to punk rock, which was still to this day. You turn on Blink-182. Yellow which card. I get that people, purists are going to be like, Blink-182 is not even punk rock. Listen, just get out. This is my story, my podcast, okay? So I'm going to tell my way. But <laughs> there was, I wish I could find the picture. There was one one time that I went just full on. I had globes because my feet were so big. Uh, when I say globes, I mean the shoe brand. I couldn't wear Vans. They didn't make them in my size. So I had to go hunt down this totally off-brand thing, got the skater shoes, wore some cargo camo pants a white button up a loose tie and i put my hair into a mohawk it was the most awkward i've ever felt in my life but i thought it was funny 
Anyway, so yeah, so punk rock was a thing. I started playing drums when we moved to San. Uh, right before I started drumming in 2001. No, yeah, 2000. Christmas of 2000. So I've been drumming for almost 20 years now. Uh, still do, and. I remember my friends were like, yeah, drumming is awesome. We play electric guitar. So two of my friends played electric guitar, but then my other friend uh, played drums and he was much better than me. So I was like, okay, I'll be that other drummer, <laughs> you know? Um, oddly enough, he he went on to actually being a part of the band in his adult life and actually kind of made it quite a ways as a drummer. He might still be playing right now, but anyway, we also liked to game. Halo was a real big deal. I don't know if y'all remember that game back in the day. Oh yeah, exactly. Like that, <laughs> that, lo- that, that start screen is like in just in embedded in my brain. That music yep, forever. <laughs> we would, we would do system link. If you know what we're talking about, you're probably smiling. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're like, can I fast forward in this? You can uh, fast forward, but we would do system link and we'd have system link parties, land parties, mm-hmm. all of that. Six TVs um, in one house, freaking yeah. cables running all over the house. Everybody has a sniper and a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was a lot of fun. That kind of carried through high school into college, um, the gaming aspect. But high school started, the The friend that will rena- remain nameless uh, that I befriended in seventh grade, he and I were the only two that really made it into sophomore year in high school the other two guys bounced to other schools freshman year i going to a private school you basically just sign up and you're in um if you just can't hack it in practice then you can quit but they don't really have like tryouts they take everybody and then they kind of split you up if they need to into a team and b teams but i played football and by played i mean i was the um for lack of a better term, I was the brunt of the joke all the time. That's what I was the B. That's the B, the brunt of the joke. I was the B for the team, uh, B of the team. And I just, for whatever reason, I guess there was a, a vote I was not aware of. I was selected to just get the short stick every time uh, about everything. And uh, hazing it never really crossed my mind but that's probably the closest descriptor I could use to what went on. Uh, including one time I was getting water and I was tackled by another teammate down a hill, like into a Creek bed on rocks. If I didn't have a helmet on, I, I at least would have been knocked unconscious because my head hit a rock. Um, but I had a helmet on, so that was pretty scary, but it was just tough. Um, that was one of the years where I was called, gay called the f word that means gay and i don't like that word so i'm not going to say it but um i was called a lot of things and uh it was just it was really tough but my friends were still there well then i start finding out uh as we go into sophomore year that everybody thinks that i talk way too much that i'm annoying that i'm stupid and that i flirt too much I didn't, I I legitimately didn't know how they got to some of those conclusions. Talking too much, 
newsflash i became a teacher because i can talk too much i am on a podcast because i can talk too much i get it i am still learning how to talk enough and not pass that um but at the time i remember processing like what do they mean i'm a flirt like i just i'm trying to be nice to the girls like i'm nice to the guys but the guys say i'm annoying and the girls say i'm a flirt i don't know how i can win at this game am i just supposed to be mean or something so even to this day i i've since i've like right before i got married i actually when i got married elizabeth even was like hey you're you're being like flirtatious or something and i was like what do you mean and she like walked me through what comes across as flirtatious and so i've really tried to work at when i'm trying to be nice to another human being it does not come across as like crossing that line but I don't, has that ever happened to you ben I, I know we have kind of similar personalities um yeah no so it's people who i'm wired the exact same way as you and it's something that when nikki and i first started dating that conversation that you just said that you've had with elizabeth came up and it was hey you know i feel like you're flirting with every like every person every girl you come in contact with and i'm like i'm just being nice like that's just that's just how i'm wired and that very quickly at least on nikki's end went away because i'm i'm wired to you know you want to reflect inwards right and make sure that you're not doing or saying things that are jeopardizing your relationship or maybe right. that may miss you know maybe misconceived but i'm a firm believer that like if i'm being nice to you it's not my fault if that comes off as you think I'm flirting. Like, I'm not flirting with you. I'm just being nice to you. And if you take that as flirting, well, that's on you. That's not on me. That's kind of the way I look at it. It, But there's a line in the sand, and there's there's a balancing act that needs to be done. But for the most part, I think people mistake friendliness for flirtatiousness, and I just think that's because of the world we live in and how people naturally operate. It's, I yeah. think it's a foreign thing where somebody's like, Hey, I'm going to take interest in like what you're doing. Like, tell me, you know, I'm standing in line at home Depot and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And the person behind me is like, like looking around, are you talking to me? I'm like, yeah, I'm talking to you. Like, who else am I talking to? <laughs> hey, you with the face. Yeah. So, um, there's, I think there's a lot, you know, there's a balancing act, but for the most part, I'm a firm believer, you know, I, I if I am, I'm, I'm happily married and, that's not even on the table for me. I'm just not wired that way. And so it doesn't make Nikki nervous. And she just understands that at this point now it's, it's, I'm just being friendly to people. And if you think I'm flirting with you, well then that's your fault. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, like you said, there's a line in the sand and there's definitely, there are definitely some big, like, well, clearly don't, don't do this. Don't do that. Right. Right. We're, we're not getting into the, the weeds with it, but I, I learned back my sophomore year, like, some people will take me ask, like you said, asking, Hey, how's your day going? As like, why, is why, he talking why to are me? you talking to me? <laughs> like, is he interested in me? No, don't flatter yourself. I'm just asking how your day is yeah, going. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so what I decided to do, looking back on it, I don't know how I even had the personal discipline to do this, but I kind of, from about halfway through my first semester of sophomore year to the end of the year, I opted to essentially not talk unless somebody spoke to me first. And so I called it my sophomore year of silence. But 
people it, it took a little bit of like transition where people started to wonder if something was wrong or like dude why are you being so quiet are you okay and i'm like oh now we all care now we all care because i'm not talking to anybody <laughs> i am fine thanks for asking all 17 other months that i've been around you but now suddenly we're all concerned um it's a lose lose a, you can't win right exactly <laughs> uh so i was like great i'm if i don't talk to you i'm a jerk or something's wrong and if i do talk to you i'm annoying or i'm a flirt i don't really understand you people but whatever and so i kind of sat back and i just studied how other people interact and i i credit that year with where i came up with my sense of humor and just timing with jokes even to now it's evolved into dad jokes and they're terrible on purpose but I actually would watch how one of my friends would say his um, his like jokes and stuff. And I started like processing, okay, I'm only going to make a joke if I know for a fact it's going to be funny. And then over time, that built to where people would start to, because they would, they would laugh at this guy no matter what the heck he did. And then I would do the exact same thing in a different context everybody would just stare at me. So I was like, okay, clearly there's something different between how people view him and how they view me. And that's where the humor is from. When you watch a comedian, you expect to laugh. So you're going to laugh at a lot of what they say typically. But if you're at a random party and somebody walks up to you and starts talking about some of the same stuff, you may think that they're rude. You may think that they're weird. You, you may laugh at some of the things that they say, but it's the context is off. So I started trying to build this new identity of like, I'd say one-liners at just the right time because I knew that it would land. And over time, I got to where I could kind of like test out a joke and be like, is this funny? Okay, they kind of laughed. It was like on a, a three out of 10, you know, but that other one was an eight out of 10. So I started to make that great. Junior year, really things started to turn around. Um, and then it, like junior year was my favorite year. I had some awesome friends. Uh, one of them actually ended up being one of my groomsmen, my wedding. Uh, to this day, we see him about once a year. I'll actually, that's Kurt. Uh, ben, I think. I'm Did you meet Kurt, Kurt when, yeah. when we were in Tennessee? Okay, yeah. yeah. I was a so, part of your wedding. I just wasn't in your wedding. <laughs> no, you're a big part of my life. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, I mean, day, it was great for me, great. honestly. Like, it was fantastic for me because I had no responsibility. But, like, everywhere the groomsmen were, like, I was with you guys. And then anytime y'all yep. did anything, like, I was following along. Like, I was there when y'all were praying before uh, we we prayed as a group, before you uh, basically walked down, the, before your wife walked down the aisle and you got married. I was... I was, it was fantastic. Right I loved, there. I loved no responsibility. All fun. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Story of your ideal life. Oh man. No it was responsibility, lovely. pure fun. Yep. Yeah. So I, uh, Kurt was uh, a good friend of mine that year. He actually lived a, literally around the corner from my house. So I would hang out with him a lot. I actually ran away from home at one point. Cause I got into a big argument with my parents to this day. I, I think that they were very wrong in how they dealt with some stuff, but they said, you're in this house. You will do what we tell you to do kind of thing. And I ran away. My mom um, was a teacher at my school. <laughs> so the next day I still went to school. Where are you going to go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she sees me and I was like, mom, I'm so sorry. She goes, stop, shut your mouth. And I was like, Oh shoot. She was like, I am not your mom right now. I'm your teacher. You need to get to class. And I like, this cold, icy chill went down my spine. Like, you done effed up, Aaron? You know, just <laughs> terrible, 
cold spine chilling feeling of like i have no mother i have no father i'm completely and utterly alone you done screwed up life. how old are you like 15 yeah. <laughs> uh i would have been 16 i think 16, 16 or 17 oh. somewhere in there yeah oh that was a cold day in hell uh that was all i needed because my mom was tight with me you know she was cool but um in that moment she was like she was like you are i am not your mother i am your teacher get to class i was like yes (laughs) ma'am so anyway junior other than that experience junior was a lot of fun we did some dumb pranks um nothing like extreme just mischievous stuff uh it was just a good time but then senior year we're rolling with a kind of a crew of about six other people and then me i was the seventh uh and this is where things kind of took a weird turn um the august going into our senior year and i'm gonna kind of break down the details on this one august going into our senior year we were out on our friend's boat and we're trying to come up with like what should we do for spring break you know spring break's like a really big deal we should all like do something big so we planned out or like we started trying to make plans and i threw out there what if we went skiing like snow skiing snowboarding up in colorado wouldn't that be a lot of fun and that'd be pretty crazy and outrageous and that that idea was basically shot down um almost immediately and i was like well that was, i thought it was a good idea i mean we could just drive up there split our money whatever so fast forward to november of that year i noticed that my friends kept hanging out basically without me um they would talk about having we were in new Braunfels at the time so san antonio was not that far so they talk about yeah we went to san antonio and blah 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 that was a lot of fun and they're all laughing about inside jokes and stuff and this is at the lunch table what what did i miss oh well you were hanging out with your girlfriend no actually factually i was not hanging out with my girlfriend um so where was the invite oh well, we thought you were with her i mean you're always with her i was like since when I just thought that was really weird. So I noticed that my girlfriend also at the time had kind of stopped hanging out with her friends. And I was like, are they hanging out without you? Or like, you just not hang out with them? And no, I just, I guess I haven't hung out with them in a while. I was like, this isn't right. So I actually ended up breaking up with her purely because I was like, we need to have healthy relationships with our friends too. Like it's gotta be both. It can't just be one and isolate ourselves from everybody else. So started trying to rebuild friendship. And then one day, Kurt, who I've already mentioned, um, he came up to me and he says, Hey man, I just put this all together and I'm really sorry. So we're, planning to go to Telluride, Colorado. We're going to stay in Ellie's condo um, and with her parents. It's their timeshare. And we've all bought our airplane tickets. And I just bought mine last night. But we can only have six people go. I'm sorry. And talk about just bomb dropping. Um, it was... Uh, all the memories from fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, even like that transition, they all came rushing back to my mind. And this feeling of like, I had never escaped how other people were going to treat me started to really hit hard. Um, I felt like I had been conned 
and um the the reason there was only some people the biggest question i get asked when i tell the story why couldn't you go so it was a timeshare only 10 people were allowed in there the six friends of mine three guys three girls the two parents who owned the timeshare and then two of their friends totals to 10 in case math is difficult but that was rough november of my senior year i got half a year left things are looking great things are going well and all the people that i thought were my friends turns out stabbed me in the back took a, an idea that i had had and whether or not they realized or remembered that i'd said that and they ran with it so that was a big low point um Going into that next semester, I knew that I had two options. At this point in my life, I, I was, you know, brain development, everything. I was really thinking hard about how to respond to something like this. So my two options were one, either be completely resentful, just become that person that is hateful towards other people, doesn't want to talk to other people, is very spiteful, uh, is hurting. So then I hurt other people. Or I could see what it's like to not have solid friendships and instead choose to be the type of friend that I always want. So I decided that every day I went to lunch, I would sit at a different cafeteria table, whether they were freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors that I had never talked to, didn't matter. And at first it was kind of weird, but then it became like the thing that who's Micah sitting with today. So by the end of that year, I had more friends than I'd started the year with. So that idea, that mentality of just, I get to choose how I want to treat other people and I get to choose how I want to be uh, carried into college where I wanted to go to A&M. I applied three days before the due date. So that wasn't happening. So instead... <laughs> I went to Blinn, which Ben knows about Blinn. Right? I don't know. You started at Blinn, yeah. Yeah, I went to I went to Blinn for two years uh, before I transferred in. Oh. But I when I went to a well when I went to College Station when I moved to College Station, I moved into a house with four other guys, two of which were brothers, and their parents owned the house. Um, the older brother was a senior, and two of the two other guys that weren't his brother were seniors, and the younger brother, Chris Hearn, who was one of my groomsmen. Um, he was the other roommate there was i think there's a picture possibly maybe it's just in my mind but uh the first day that i moved in i was putting together my desk and chris comes in and he offers to help we by purely by appearance we were polar opposites uh i was in a wildcat athletic sleeveless shirt that i cut the sleeves off myself and i had my gym shorts on and my tennis shoes my like shaggy blonde dirty blonde hair that was too long and needed to be cut anyway and i'm sitting on my floor trying to put this together and then and walks chris who was not the sports guy he was the band guy and he played minecraft on his computer which at the time i was like <laughs> you know minecraft or world of warcraft sorry world of warcraft not minecraft world of warcraft if you play that, you're an actual nerd. I play the real games like Halo, you know, that kind of thing. And it was stupid. But 
<laughs> categorize. I'm cooler because I play these games. I'm the cool nerd. You're the dumb. <laughs> you know? uh, I don't think that way anymore. Just for the yeah, record, and yeah. if Chris hears this, he'll probably laugh. But um, he walks in. He has tennis shoes on with white tube socks, and I'm 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 gonna very explicitly describe this so that we have a very accurate picture of how polar opposite we were. This is not intended to be like positive or negative. It's just is what it is. So I already explained my outfit. And then Chris walks in. He's got tennis shoes, white tube socks, cargo shorts, and some like – it looked like a polo shirt without the collar, um, but it was a T-shirt. A polo and, shirt without the collar is a T-shirt. <laughs> I know, but like that kind of – it wasn't like a, an athletic shirt or anything. It was just like a mild graphic tee kind of thing. And yeah. I, I don't know. Anyway, so like a polo without the collar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Polo without you get it. Yeah, um, yeah, science. So he walks in, and my first thought is, "Oh my god, who am I living with?" And then I thought, I don't need to judge a book by the cover because I know exactly what that's felt like, and I also know that in the same way he doesn't know me, I don't know him. So he actually offered to help me put together my desk. And I was like, yeah, sure, man. Uh, just to do a very long story short with that relationship in, in uh, specifically, we ended up being roommates three different years out of the four years he was in college. Um, I stayed and got my master's and everything, but three out of the four years he was in college, we were roommates. Uh, he was a groomsman in my wedding. I view him like a brother to me. Um, we have had some of the deepest conversations. I was in his wedding. He was in my wedding, all that. And so I'm really thankful that I did not judge a book by its cover. And I'm really thankful that I chose to just get to know Chris instead of just being like, dude, this guy's a nerd. What the heck? Turns out I'm actually a nerd. I'm probably more of a nerd than he is at this point in our lives. But anyway. I just um, want to say that tube socks are legit. <laughs> I wear tube socks now. I wear know? tube like, socks now too. <laughs> so, like I wear I wear no show like when I'm, you know, out and about, but like if I'm home and just like chillaxing, I'm probably wearing tube socks. For sure. They're warmer. <laughs> like when you're out doing stuff, you want like socks to keep your feet cool, sure. But not even that. It's like if I'm like working outside and stuff, like I've got I don't I don't know if you've seen these. I've got these tube socks from Costco the other day. They're like they're like athletic tube socks, quote unquote. Using my fingers, athletic tube socks. Um, sure. I don't like when I'm like outside and stuff. Like I don't know. I guess in Houston or in Texas, everything's always biting your ankles or biting your legs. If it's I have not... children, I know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> so I'm like, if I'm like working outside or I'm just I don't know. Tube socks have. I always thought we're like, oh, you're wearing tube socks, weirdo. And then like, as I get older, I'm like, all right, tube socks are actually make more sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think that goes hand in hand with like, when you're a kid, the crap, I got socks for Christmas. And then when you're an adult, you're like, why didn't I get socks? I wanted socks for Christmas. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I needed undershirts. I wanted tube socks for Christmas. <laughs> you know? Yep. Man. Yeah. Throwback. Mm. So yeah, that, that was, that was my first initial experience with my roommates. Um, I then chose to rush for a Christian fraternity called BCA, not BC double A's like Aminos, if Michael's listening, um, but the Brotherhood of Christian Aggies. And I didn't get it, which was really, um, 
eye-opening for a guy who went to private school and you just sign your name on a line, you're in. So that was kind of like, oh, shoot, I'm in a new world here. So I then started praying like, okay, God, let's try this thing again. What should I be a part of? And excuse me, um, I'm burping in case I didn't hear that. But uh, I felt like I was supposed to apply for Breakaway and Impact. Breakaway is still um, a Bible study on the A&M campus that is about, at least when I was there, is between five and 6,000 students every week. Uh, the most I ever saw at that thing, it was in Reed Arena. So basketball arena, just for a picture, basketball arena. The most I ever saw, and I was on camera uh, to give away some of the story. I was on camera. They completely filled that arena um, the first Tuesday back of a fall semester. How many people, people does, does Reed Arena hold? I think it was over 10,000. That's a big yeah. stadium too. Yeah. Yeah. And talk about nerve wracking. I was the one camera filming this thing. And so every time I like twitched the big screen where they had like Ben's face up there as he gave the talk or whatever, if I even twitched, I just felt all 10,000 of, I guess, 20,000 eyes just stare at me and be like, keep the screen still. Like, what is wrong with hey, the camera, Hey, what man? are you doing? Get it together, yeah. camera guy. I was on a freaking <laughs> island out there all by myself. Yeah, so I got that one. Um, Impact is a Christian camp for incoming freshmen. I wanted to do fish camp, but because I did not go to A&M, I could not be a part of fish camp. Um, so I went to Impact. Loved it. Met some of my friends that are friends to this day. Um, I became a counselor then because I applied and did the whole application process. I was a counselor, a co-chair, skipped two years and was a counselor again. Uh, breakaway, I was a volunteer there for four straight years. Actually, I think it was like broken up a little bit. But nonetheless, I uh, Ben's now a, past, a pastor of Passion City Church in D.C. If you all want to ever listen to his podcasts. Um, great guy. I, I love his teaching style. What's but his last name? It's Ben Stewart. Stewart, yep. S-T-U-A-R-T. So um, then uh, another big thing I was involved in is Pine Cove. And I'm mentioning these three for a reason I'll circle back to in a second. I was involved in Pine Cove for two years. Uh, a lot of people know about Pine Cove. It's kind of like Canacuck or um, what's the other one? Kids Across America. I'm missing one. Camp Ozark up in Oklahoma. Um, but Pine Cove, it's a summer camp for kids. I was there for two different summers, first year, half year, and then second summer I was there all year as head lifeguard and drummer. The three, those three organizations collectively are three of the larger organizations that Aggies get involved in. So by, I think it was like halfway through my junior year, I realized there was not, or third year, there was not a place I would go in College Station or Bryan, which is the city's right next to it. There was not a place I would go where I didn't see somebody, not only that I knew by name, but I had actually developed a friendship with. That was a huge realization to me because when I was going through all those difficult times with all the people that had hurt me, whether they knew it or not, 
when I was going through all those difficult times, I prayed now. I was like, God, give me just one friend, one solid friend that I can count on to be there with me um, when just stuff hits the fan. And here I am, my third year into college, looking around, literally in the cities that are right next to each other and going, I, I can barely go to a gas station without seeing somebody I know. So that was huge. Um, I know a lot of people that are even listening to this podcast knew me in college. Uh, you were an answer to prayer. So I really appreciate you guys. But um, then one of my lowest points in life. Don't you even say it. <laughs> was uh, I became a server at Cafe Excel. And that's where I met this guy, Ben Cashew. Present. I remember him being a very bold personality who seemed to know exactly who he was what he liked to do, what he didn't like to do. He would tell you exactly his opinion if you asked him. Uh, he'd ride a longboard sometimes to work. That was you, right? Mm-hmm. You and Shane. Every, yeah. Because yeah. where we had to park at, way up the street, I'd just pack my longboard in my trunk. and uh, Yeah, that was me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I always thought Ben was hilarious. and We would we would play games that we'll keep to ourselves that aren't... <laughs> There are good times. Um, but uh <laughs> I remember one of my vivid memories of you, I I'm pretty sure this was, was you, Cody, Topher, maybe Shane. Y'all were talking about Nazi zombies, and I believe Topher had drawn out on a whiteboard the map for Nazi zombies, and y'all were discussing it after our shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, because we yeah. went I, I I remember that because we went home that night and Shane and I were up till like five or six a.m and we made it to like college yeah we made it to like round i don't even remember like everybody fell asleep because like we started the nazi zombies at like midnight that that round and it went to like five or six a.m and uh gosh yeah it was like i don't remember what level was high but we were like really 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 high uh high up in level and and it was then we failed and i was like what time is it i was like oh my gosh it's 6 a.m i have class in two hours (laughs) (laughs) oh man man i remember that though yeah so that was that was a good time uh adrian one of my the best man of my wedding uh adrian was also a server there with us he actually got me into or i figured out that waiting tables was a thing because of him and um and that's how i ended up meeting ben so I've always wanted to be around people uh, in case y'all haven't caught that pine cove. I was a camp counselor breakaway and impact. I was around people constantly um, a survey cafe Excel. I think I did really well there because I like being around people. Um, and then I had read a book called switch by chip and Dan Heath. I mentioned that on our first podcast. I decided that I wanted to start working out. So I started working out. I've told this story already. So I'll make it the short version, put on 30 pounds in a year. And I was like, well, shoot. If a kid who was bullied and picked on and always looked like a walking stick figure can do this, then what if I could help other people do it? So I became a personal trainer, uh, did that for a while. Love seeing people reach their goals. Um, That was just really empowering. I then became a teacher uh, because part of my grad school program was literally you take classes that summer and then that fall you're teaching. So you have to apply and like get a job and everything. So I got a job out East of Austin in Elgin and uh, taught there for two years. 
went to um, moved over to Leander Middle School and then up to Styles Middle School, which is also in Leander ISD. Taught for a total of four and a half years. And goodness, that was, I've seen some rough stuff. I've had kids like just bawling, talking to me about stuff they're dealing with in their, their homes. I've also had adults, uh, we'll say parents. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much of adulting they were doing, but I've had parents try to get me fired because I called out their son for bullying. Uh, I also had a guy yell at me across the table. I thought he was going to stand up and try to grab me um, because I had written up their son multiple times for being late, even though I literally gave him grace probably the 10 times prior and also even tried to go out of my way to help him like not be late. Like, let me talk to your band teacher, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like it was your fault that he was late all those times. It was. Yeah. It was totally mm-hmm. my fault. And what's crazy is like the kid actually didn't even really have beef with me. It was the parents. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I've had very interesting experiences. Um, I think because of my teaching experience, that's what's caused me to be much more understanding of both sides of politics. And uh, cause I taught social studies four out of those four and a half years. And that last half, I actually taught two different subjects, English and social studies. I met Elizabeth, my second, actually between my first and second year teaching. Uh, we were just friends. We were part of a, a young adults group. She was dating somebody else. She was actually dating somebody from that, sixth grade group that put my shorts in a used toilet fun fact but um anyway we i was dating another girl at that time too i just that girl i said hey i don't like you're awesome i don't to this day i don't think there's anything wrong with her we're just two very different people um and i said i think we should break up because i don't think we're gonna get married and i don't i respect you enough to not want to waste your time it was still a tough breakup but we broke up and um i ended up finding out that uh elizabeth was single because that guy and i had developed a friendship i told him i forgave him for everything that happened i I have no harm hard feelings whatsoever Um, i'm still friends with him to this day but he told me that he broke up with elizabeth and about a month went by i found out she had been talking to somebody else and i was like that doesn't seem right she shouldn't be dating that guy cue the internal dialogue well who should she be dating well i don't know i think she who do you think she should be dating, Micah? Well, I'm not really sure. Just say it, Micah. Okay, I think she should date me. <laughs> so I asked her out on a date. Uh, this is during like the, like right before that next school year starts. Uh, and we went to Kirby Lane at midnight because I had been coaching at a football game. Told her to dress as comfortable as she wanted to. And she wore a shirt that said, Adios Pantalones, wore spandex shorts. Um, and her hair was just totally natural down. I don't think she had makeup on. She might have had like eyeliner or something. And that's when you knew. That was, that was when I knew. That's Fed that girl knew. pancakes and uh, Kirby queso. If you want to know the way to a girl's heart, it's through her stomach. Don't be fooled. It's not just guys. So, um, she absolutely gorgeous. Uh, still is. And we the second date we went on was a really fancy like steakhouse dinner. Uh, we ate escargot. That was dope. I liked it. Really? But I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think I've ever had it, but I just don't, don't have really it at a cheap place. Have to. it at a really fancy, nice place where you know they're actually going to do 
I feel like that's how oysters is too. Like I like oysters, Ugh, but a lot. Boogers. See, there you go. <laughs> you can't do. Elizabeth you, loves oysters. I don't. Yeah, I I don't necessarily like oysters by themselves, but I like them with like Tabasco and lemon juice. And oh, my mouth is watering. Sorry. <sighs> um, yeah. So we started dating, and this kind of ties in. She was having some actual like legit issues at her job that had to get reported and everything and she uh ended up being a full-time sub at the same school where i was in my second year teaching and then she uh kind of got a semi-permanent role that then led her down the path of teaching as well so my third year of teaching was technically her second year of teaching first full-time gig she taught for uh, another year after that in leander isd and then we had charlotte and so um elizabeth really didn't like getting pictures and video updates from our nanny nothing against the nanny just she's missing out on these first moments with our child but the nanny's seeing them all and that really hit her home hit home with her because she was like i'm gonna be a working mom i want our daughter to see that you can do both you can be a strong mom and you can work and it's gonna be great and then her mommy heart just swelled she's like nope i want to be home with my kid and she started consulting from home uh and that was going seemed like it was picking up pace and going well. And then just one bad experience happened that I uh, would prefer not to get into. It caused her to lose her biggest client. And that put us in a financially tough spot. So I told her I'm going to take care of it. And um, one thing that I think I've mentioned before, my dad told Elizabeth on our wedding day, the one thing I know about my son is that when the chips are down, he makes the right call. And this was a big moment where I realized all the chips are down and I need to make the right call. So I decided that I tried to like do other side jobs, doing stuff with wood, uh, like carpentry, and then trying to pick up a landscaping job where I create my own business. Nay, I grow my own business. You're welcome. So I uh, started that. It just didn't pick up fast enough. And I was like, man, we're going down fast. Our savings is getting depleted. Uh, my single teacher salary is not going to cut it for a family of three. Um, and we don't live like a lavish lifestyle, just so we're clear. I think teachers are severely underpaid um, even to this day. So I reached out to a friend, friend of mine, asked him, why do you do what you do? You're a financial planner. You're a financial planner. Uh, this is my friend, Justin, who I met through uh, Impact and breakaway and the wreck where I was a personal trainer. We were always very, very intertwined. And I said, why do you do what you do? And he told me about financial planning and he said, I do what I do because I want to have a tangible impact in people's lives. I've seen what finances did to my parents and their marriage. And I want to prevent that. And I want to help people make sense of their finances. And I was like, done. I'm in teach me finance and I'll, I'll help people. So I jumped into that world and it was a very different world than what I was used to. For one, I was wearing a suit every day. That's different, even when it's a thousand degrees outside. So wearing a suit every day, it was one of the more stressful jobs uh, in a very, very different way than teaching, but trying to cultivate your own business. And I refused to just randomly cold call people. I wanted to have some kind of connection or touch point. And my goal, and I'll say this on a public forum to anybody and everybody, my goal was I wanted to reach out to as many people as possible so that if there was a need to be filled, 
I could be the person to help. Um, I never felt comfortable forcing something on somebody. Uh, I was convicted a few times. I was convicted about what I was doing to the point of like, I am telling you right now, you don't have to work with me, but like your situation is, is a very dire one. And you know, if the market downturns, it's going to blow up your finances. Please do something about that. You know, in that case, I was very convicted about what I was doing. I was like, I've got that conviction. So I really wanted to help people, wanted to serve people. Um, my wife became my assistant. She actually became an assistant to, I believe, 11 other guys, including one partner, Justin. And so um, that was all going really well. And then this past October, I, I actually, I would say, and you kind of were there for all of this, uh, Ben, but things were really looking up and going yeah. well, mm -hmm. um, gaining a lot of traction word of mouth was starting to get around. People were contacting me instead of me reaching people. And I, I kind of had hoped that would always happen. I, I, in my mind, I always told myself if I do the right things for the right reasons, it'll take time, but it, it'll come back. And so, um, I think in like a 24 hour, 48 hour period, I had six different people reach out to me, totally new business. Like, Hey, we need help with moving this retirement account. Hey, we need help with that. And I strongly encourage anybody listening, like, don't be afraid of financial planners. Not all of them are bad, just the same way that, you know, you talk to a realtor, talk to a car mechanic. Some of them are just not the most uh, solid people, but you'll, you'll figure it out. Talk mm -hmm. to them. That's um, I it, It's funny because when you started doing that, I had, I've been with my financial planner for, oh gosh, for since 2013. Um, and I think you, I, you remember you came to me when you first started and you're like, Hey, I'm just starting out. And I told you, I said, listen, I love you, dude, but I love my financial planner. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't think I, I threw as much business as I, as I could, um, or, you know, to help, to help you get started. But uh, you're not wrong. Like there's, there's financial, like I, I love my financial planner. He's a good guy and he's really good at what he does. And, uh, and yeah, they're not all bad. Yeah. And, and I, that's why I say like, just talk to people. Um, it's yeah, not all of them are bad. Um, and I, I still to this day, I, the things that I set in place for my clients, um, all of which know that I've now left and, and we, I tried to handle that as graciously as I could because those people trusted me. Um, and I, I want to make sure they're taken care of, but everything that I put in place, it's all stuff that is still in place. It's still retirement accounts. It's still life insurance. It's still stuff that they needed. And to this day, I, w I wouldn't have done things differently for their uh, finances. But at the same time, leaving leaving my clients was like leaving my students uh, mm -hmm. back when I left teaching. Um, those are people that I've gotten to know very deeply. Um, I cry The most I've ever cried over a job was when I left teaching. Uh, seeing my students just breaking down like, well, what are we going to do the rest of the year? Like, what if we don't even like our other teacher? You know, like all this kind of stuff. I felt that fear rise back in me when I was leaving financial planning um, because I really care about my clients. And if any of my clients are listening to this, I the wealth of love I have for y'all is tremendous. And I got to meet some really cool people through that. It was a great experience, but um, all in all, I had to leave because back in October, um, some things happened at our firm that I won't go into for legal reasons, but some things happened, things blew up. Uh, the structure was still intact, but barely. And 
it didn't affect my clients at all. It just affected me. Um, it didn't affect their finances or anything like that, but, uh, it just affected the way that I, I did business and, and did my day to day, you know, just systems that I had in place. And so that became difficult. And then to make things even more tedious, uh, Lily at only three months old, she went to the hospital, uh, for a week and a half. And during that time, she had a total of four viruses and bacterial pneumonia. Um, then when she came out, she was dealing with asthmatic symptoms, but they couldn't like test her or confirm that she had asthma because she was too small. So I was the one to start taking care of her because while we were in the hospital, the like third day we were there that night, uh, Elizabeth had been interviewing for a job at Facebook and she got the call that she got the job, which is really exciting. Uh, and she then, she then, you know, for both of us were like, well, shoot. Um, Lily definitely needs to be taken care of, but like, I can't be out of work because if I'm out of work, then I'm losing, like, I'm not making money. If you're not working, you're not making money. And for her, she clearly needs to go to work because she's just starting out. She can't just take leave. So I tried to just start picking up, you know, this doctor's appointment, that doctor's appointment. We got to go take her to this specialist. We got to take her to this specialist. Um, and we had a lot, man, you want to talk about community. We had people do a GoFundMe for us because they knew that we were financially hurting. Uh, when things went sideways with the the DBA that I was with, Elizabeth lost her job from there. So she lost that hourly income that she was earning. And then because Lily was in the hospital, I wasn't working. So I was not cultivating new business and therefore not getting income. So we were dried up um, very fast and it became very stressful. People goodness we so many people supported us um and it was incredibly overwhelming it brought me to tears on a number of occasions uh, because people just loved us so well and when we got out of the hospital i realized i need to stay home with lily till the end of the year because we took her to daycare for four hours and in that four hours when we dropped her off she was totally fine when she came home she was congested with something and ended up getting an ear infection and had like a cold type of thing. So we realized her immune system was shot. Um, kept her home till the end of the year. Came back in January and started realizing that my other daughter was starting to have health issues and had been complaining about her head hurting for months, we realized. Uh, and it just became super stressful. Uh, started taking her to specialists on top of taking our other daughter to the different doctors and specialists and keeping them both up to date with their primary care. It became so much. And I just realized that I don't, I, I can't juggle financial planning and trying to take care of them while Elizabeth's still getting herself on her feet under herself with Facebook. And so I knew I was not the best fit financial planner for my clients anymore, decided that I needed to transition out. So uh, as of actually April 1st, we're recording this on the third. As of April 1st, I am no longer a financial planner um, so that I can be home with my girls and take care of them and make sure that their health is prioritized. Um, coincidentally, this whole uh, apocalypse thing has happened at the same time. <laughs> and we're quarantined and I'm losing my mind. But um, I, I think, think my blood pressure crazy. is... Dude, <laughs> I've been trying to do pull out all the stops, you know, from teaching. Like, do a here's what we're doing today and here's our lesson plan kind of thing. And yeah. 
yeah that's just that's gone um <laughs> it's i'm about to just throw that whiteboard across the the street uh to the school across the street but anyway it's been a lot of fun uh on the whole a lot of fun memories and i think it's going to change the way that our family dynamic is for the rest of our lives but um elizabeth and i are coming up on our five-year anniversary which is pretty dope we have a lockbox that we're opening uh on our five fifth year anniversary and uh i think yeah i think there's still some stuff in there the groomsmen and you had left in there for us during our wedding that we found literally during the ceremony i think it's still on video but anyway um there's a there's a box yeah there's a i don't remember that it's actually right by my feet um yeah no it's a it's like a memory box we wrote letters to each other put it in there we took a bottle of wine from our wedding put it in there and then the groomsmen uh had put we'll say protection in there um but poked holes in every single one of them oh and uh they put them in there before the ceremony so on film you watch us like go to put like our letters in there and we just kind of looked at each other like what the heck who put this in there um and now everybody knows what we were looking at that's so, why you have two kids you're welcome yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so yeah that's that's my story uh that's about the most detailed lengthy version of it um and again the whole reason i, I share any of that is because i want to let y'all know who i am um and i want to be able to share the good and the bad if you don't already you should follow us on facebook uh follow me on facebook i i post a lot of stuff i've posted an honest parent post about how i had an, an anxious breakdown yesterday shaking uh crying like involuntarily cry like my eyes just started watering from stress uh, i've been there man there's just nothing you can do it's just it shows up my whole and it's body... like hey i'm here yeah and you're like no yep not now. We don't have a meeting scheduled. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's it's, it's you don't have in. you don't have time for it. Like you don't have time to have a breakdown. But it's just like your body's just like no, we're done. And your brain, yep. your your brain and your mind is just like no, we're done. I asked I asked Charlotte in that moment. I was like, hey, Daddy needs one minute. I'm gonna set a timer. Okay. She's like, uh, okay. And she could see that something was really wrong. But I let her just stand there, and she was quiet. But I let her stand there and just watch me deal with that because she gets overwhelmed too. But I wanted her to see how I dealt with it. So oh, that hopefully so that, that like let her know like it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Like that's normal. Oh, that's um, that's awesome. I like that a lot. Afterwards yeah. she just walked up and gave me a hug and then I started crying again. Oh yeah. So the one who's causing me anxiety also simultaneously brought me immense joy. Welcome to parenting. <laughs> yeah. So Love that's it. how things are going. Um yeah, I I love my life. It's incredibly stressful at times, but I would not trade it for anything because of the immense joy that we have. The way that Lily looks at me anytime she locks eyes with me and just her smile is so big and toothless. Uh it's a lot of fun. Hmm. Love it. Love it. Well, thanks for sharing, man. That was uh I actually there's some there's a lot of there's a lot of backstory there that I knew a lot of that, but I didn't know to the extent or the more over the specifics and so that kind of it was just kind of a window into how, why you're wired the way you're wired like some some things were while you're talking i'm just like oh well that now that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> oh there we are there it is yeah yeah so yeah that's um 
it's been a whirlwind. I can I can honestly say that where my experience in really grade school is very it's very different, but not yeah. Weren't you the popular kid? Uh, well, that's the thing. It's like yes and no. Like it, it's very different, but also very much the same. Um, as far as like where my heart was during grade school so it's it's just funny how similar we are we're very similar but we're so different <laughs> yeah and here we are that's i think that's a cool story about humanity is it like starting places but yet we'll intersect one way or another you know yeah 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 well that's all for today guys um i, I would say hit us up on on social media instagram facebook twitter do we have a tiktok yet no, I don't really, I, I've looked at it. Um, the format on TikTok for what we're trying to produce and the content we're trying to put out, it doesn't link up very well. Um, I'm sure there's some sort of like way we could do it, but just the, the content that we're trying to put out is um, a little bit different than seems applicable to what TikTok is. I feel like TikTok is like Vine and Vine was just like silly. Yeah. Which don't get me wrong. Like I, I, if you, at any given time, when I'm like winding down, you're like, Ben, what are you watching on your phone? It's like TikToks that'll, that give you life or vines that give you life. Like I, 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 I like watching them. I just don't think it, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it applies to what we're doing. So <laughs> yeah. reach out to us on the, on the socials that we have. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, you are the reason we do what we do. So. Yep. I don't have anything else. Keep in touch. Uh, subscribe on our iTunes or Spotify. Uh, and keep lookout for the the daily updates that we put on our accounts. Leave a review. Leave a review. Leave a comment. Comment. Say put hi. a video up. Hello. Tag How us are and you? stuff. <laughs> we like dad jokes and animals and stupid stuff. So be sure to add us in on those. Dad jokes. Bring dad jokes. Well, <laughs> next week we'll uh, we'll be doing kind of the same thing, but it'll be my story. So that should be should be interesting. It's very similar yet very different so we'll see you guys next week adios take care bye